Welcome to Live with Greg or Live with Greg, depending on semantics. <laughs> God damn it. God damn. No, like, God damn. We're here for round three, but it's really round two. And that's... Yes. Round two and a half, maybe. Two and a half. I know, I was kind of wondering if I should um, tag on what did work out. Because it's about 40 minutes. So there's 40 minutes of audio that's still good. And that's... We talked about some good stuff. I just feel like... Do they have enough background knowledge based off of the first 18 minutes? Just because we cut back, we're like, oh, remember that thing we said at the beginning there? And then this. But they can catch on. You have a smart audience, right? I think people are smart. Well, there you go. We're good. So, season 10 opener. Yes. With Jacob Ben Shamil. <laughs> I had to do Shemuel. that. I can't believe you. After I the conversations we've had. I know. Wow. I know. <laughs> just start off like Just start off with a, right, right, right with a sucker punch, huh? Right. The so one-two. Is this how you treat your guests all the time? All the time. Wow. That's, That's great. That's why I have, rarely have guests. <laughs> I'm, I'm starting to understand that now. <laughs> I'm lonely. <laughs> yeah. Season 10 opener. Yeah. Season 10 opener. It feels good so far. It feels good. All right. So you're Ben Shamul? So the way I say it for people is like... As in, like, you know, shut up, like, sh- uh, moo, like the cow, and then just the letter L, shmuel. Shmuel. Yeah, shmuel. Shmuel. Yeah. You got it. So your father's name is Shmuel. Technically, yeah. Technically. Yeah, that isn't, like, his family's name. Or my mom's. They, like, chose to. You just gave it to him? Yeah, they gave it to themselves, honestly. Really? I, I was good with their old last name, but, you know. Oh, they're using that as a last name? Yeah. Because Ben is son of. Yeah, and then Shmuel is Samuel. Should be his, yeah, his, his first name. His dad's name was Seymour. But Shmuel should be his first name. Technically, I don't know. Because I'm not really a good Jew or Hebrew speaker. But, like, from what I understood... My dad made it Ben Shmuel, or my parents said Ben Shmuel, like, so I'm Jacob, son of Samuel, or he's Levi, son of Samuel, blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, because my dad, I'm Yitzhak Ben Leber, and Leber would be my father's first name, and that's the way right. I, I grew up learning uh, the name sequence was the first name of the father, your son yeah. of that. That makes sense to me, I just never paid attention enough to know. To be honest, I kind of just rolled with it. And there is six minutes of <laughs> information no one needed. <laughs> nobody needed or asked for, so that's okay, though. Maybe somebody out there is like, you know, I was really curious about the order of sequence and names for Hebrew individuals. But. It is interesting how patriarchal the Jewish religion is primarily, yeah. and yet Judaism is, is handed down by the mom. Right. And make it make sense to me. She know. is very important in the Sabbath, the opening of the Sabbath, you know, the Sabbath prayers. Yeah, it's true. It's like a woman. Yeah. Did you see that um, British movie about a rabbi and his wife is in love with another woman? And he's a very conservative rabbi, you know, with the curly locks. Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. 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 It was really good. 
Yeah, was, it was surprisingly good. I can't remember the name. That kind of sucks because I'm kind of interested. Yeah, yeah, it was super powerful, especially yeah. the ending. It was like, where is this gonna go? Like, you know, because mm-hmm. he's he's a he's studying to be a rabbi. He or he is the rabbi. Of this right. Anyway, his wife's going to study another woman, and you know. Right, and and, and, were, the, and the three of them were in college together, like in super tight, and. What's and it just had this conclusion where you were just like, wow, that just landed so perfectly. Oh, well, now I want to see it. Gosh darn it, I'll I, see yeah, if I can find the for you. Yeah, I'm on the edge of my seat right now. No, you're not. You're tucked back very nicely. Okay, it's a metaphor. Oh, is that a metaphor? I always get confused with like what's actually a metaphor and what's like, I know what an analogy is. But, like, metaphor and, like, simile, all that kind of stuff, like, mess me with it. I don't know what that means. Maybe literally taken, you are on the edge of your seat. Like, there is a part of your body that's on the edge of the seat. It's very literal. Right. So, I was right the whole time. Yeah. Once again. Once again. Parading you. Yeah. Well, I think what we're learning is I just came on the show to be, like, abused and, <laughs> and I'm really battered. sorry. Yeah. No, it's like, I mean, I signed up for it, clearly. So, like, it's on me, but... What's it say on your hat? Burton. Burton. I don't know. It's a brand. Do you snow brand? Snowboard? No, snow never brand. have. One time I sled. That's kind of it. But it was like a super freak accident. And by freak accident, I just mean my friend and I were going down the hill in my backyard. And we went. Oh, we made like a little hill to go over. So we like, the sled went up and we got air. There was a tree right above it. So we both headed into the branch, flipped oh, upside down. Damn. We were completely fine. But after that, I was kind of like, the snow was okay. I'm okay. We mutually don't like each other, and that's really fine. that kind of ended. you were like experiment over. Yeah, as a five year old, that felt like enough for me. Okay. Um, and since then, you don't really do snow things. I'd love to now, but okay. I live in Los Angeles. You know, there's not really as much snow opportunities unless I drive to Big Bear and rent hundreds of dollars of equipment. And like, right. I don't really. I'm a college student too. You know, we're on a budget here, so it's just not in my wheelhouse. Right. Yeah. Uh oh! I forgot to warn the people of the house that we were recording. Oh my god. Well, we're going to see how this all rolls out. It can add some ambiance. What a day. Like. What a day. It's really been a day, I think. What, what a year. 2023 has been absolutely insane, you guys. <laughs> that is so funny to say. I know. Right? Four days it's into four it. Four days and I can't wait for 24. <laughs> but, you know, this is going to be live in March, so this is a... Had to catch you while you were available. Yeah, exactly. I, I'm, you know, I'm a busy man, yes, so... Yes, you are. You're welcome. I'm here. Alright, so are you still willing to dive into that topic I mentioned? I think so. I think so. Let's just roll with it and see where it goes, I think. Okay. So, on the podcast that I butchered the audio to, um, which maybe people will hear part of it, maybe they won't. Maybe we'll gatekeep all that information from you, but... Right. Sorry. But you shared with me that you currently identify as pansexual. Uh, Yeah, I, I would think... I think so. Like, I'm never fully sure, and that's okay. You know, that's where I'm at right now. So, what do you mean by never fully sure? I mean, my sexuality's been very fluid throughout my life, from what I've gathered. Like, I've always known that I've liked girls and guys. That's very much been in my wheelhouse. But whether or not... It's more like the energy of what I'm attracted to. Like, when I was younger, I was more attracted to feminine energy. And that's what I like, was more engaged in. And as I got older, I got involved with like, people who had more masculine energy, so typically men. But I've found myself in situations with like even like lesbians or something where it's like, oh, like we have like 
chemistry maybe or something and I don't know. And so ever since I've had situations like that, I've realized I don't think I can say I just like guys or girls explicitly. Like I just like what I like and that can be anything. So I think that's why pansexual is easiest for me right now. And should, I, should I distinguish what pansexual is compared to bisexual? <coughs> yeah, because I didn't... Right. Right, right. So bisexual is like when you like men and women, you know, like the two genders that right now in society we all agree is there, the two genders. But there's those, as we've discussed and whether people not agree with it or not, there's more than that because there's non-binary, there's gender fluid, where people kind of switch between them even. A lot of ancient Native American cultures even consider there to be a third gender, you know. Um, so, Is yeah. two-spirit considered a third gender? From what I've read sometimes. I mean, that's how, that's how it can be best described for, like, meta process, I think. That's what the article was saying. It's like, in the Native American cultures, there's been up to five in the sense of non-binary is one of them. Fluidity was another one, and then there was a two-spirit as, like, the third gender, which is what they described it as, but... And then male and female. Yeah, exactly. Um, so for situations like that where people are more fluid with their gender, that's where pansexual kind of fits in, is it's not just men or women, it's you're just a transgender person in general. So you said that all your life you've known you were attracted to both men and women. Yeah. Definitely. And that's a real statement. Like, you can picture when sexuality or attraction... Like, I know I had attraction when I was in first grade. Yeah, and I definitely did. You know, I had my first girlfriend in third grade. I was kind of a whore in elementary school, to be honest. I had, like, two girlfriends at once. Like, we were, we were crazy back then. And I... So I definitely liked girls. But at the same time, like, when I was, like, even six, like, I remember, like, a guy friend and I, like talking about it and like you know like when you're kids you don't really know that kind of stuff but like looking back I'm like oh I, I was definitely like into like that guy as a six-year-old and like he was into me or something you know what I mean so I've always like known but like my journey of figuring it out and then accepting it is a whole other story you know what I mean yeah so I do know what I mean. yeah <sighs> so in third grade when you have two girlfriends mm -hmm. was sexuality and sensuality a part of that relationship I thought it was, but no, because I was eight. You know what I mean? Like, oh, what do you mean you thought it was? Yeah. Like, like you touched noses. And <laughs> well, I remember, like, this was, you know, this is one of my breakup stories, actually, but this girlfriend and I, Alyssa, we were scheduled to kiss on the field with, like, a bunch of people watching us for lunch, and that happened. And so we kissed, and we both screamed, ew, and then ran away from each other across the field. At the end of school that day, we walked out to each other and said, I think this is over, and it was a mutual decision. Yeah, getting into it, right? So in wow. a sense, it was involved, but at the same time, no, it wasn't. <laughs> right, well, know. there was definitely something going on for both of you, like where you were going to try this in a very public display of affection. Yeah, very public. And it just didn't work out, and that's okay. Did and I feel any shame or embarrassment? No. Horrified by the experience. Yeah, I, and I think that's when we realized this is not what we think it is. <laughs> so that was over for that one. All right, but you said you had two girlfriends. Yeah, the other one is one of my best friends now still. So shout out to Jazz. She Did you guys kiss one. in third grade? No, we didn't. But I think we've discussed this in depth now as adults, and like, she thought I was taking it too fast. I thought she was... Just a bad girlfriend. <laughs> I was like, I want to meet you. Like, I want you to introduce, like, to meet my parents and everything. And she, you know, we were dating for one day. Not at that point, but we were dating for one day. And she was like, your best friend's cute. I think I'm going to date him instead. So, you know, there's like, we both had our own things where it's like, maybe we could work on this a bit. Well, I'd say that's a bad girlfriend when 
Yeah, it, it was. And she, and she knows that. 24 hours later, I'm going out with your best friend. Yeah. Ooh. No, it stung a little bit, but I also kind of didn't care because I was also eight. Right. So. <laughs> wow. Right. No, elementary like relationships can be pretty toxic. You would never think it. Yeah. <laughs> Is that like you think about your elementary relationships? I feel like I just. Well, I was just thinking spiraled. about my elementary. Yeah, there was one girl I really liked, and then she ended up going with this one guy. I was trying to remember if it was first grade or third grade. Yeah, still just as brutal. I think it Either was way. third grade. <laughs> I feel like third grade is just a good starting point for people to be like, I have a real girlfriend, you know, like, whether or not it's actually like... I remember fifth grade being when that really started really? happening. That makes like sense. Like going out to the what bowling does. alley, guys and girls. Oh, like that know, kind of thing outings. happening. But yeah. The mm. one thing I've realized later in my life is yeah. I was, I'm August 62, August 6th. Okay. So I was young. Yeah. going through school I was yeah. like younger than most of the people mm-hmm. so as they were hitting these things of like oh now guys and girls are going out together I'm still like you're what? still a little stunted yeah. I feel like we all don't discuss that enough though because like when you're older like whatever like high school I don't think that matters as much but like in elementary school that's huge that's huge. like it's a big difference between like being born in like September of one year versus like August of the next yeah yeah it was huge I remember like being invited to this bowling Alley excursion, yeah, and me just sort of freaking out, like, what the, what the okay. hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, really awkward. I can imagine that. Yep. Yeah. Did it go well that bully excursion? Do you remember? I didn't go. Wow, you're just yeah. like, nah, I'm out for this one. I was, yeah, I forget how I said it, but I was definitely out. But you finessed your way out of it. I yeah. don't understand what I'm doing. And that's okay. <laughs> we went to the bowling alley eventually. You know? At your own time. Yes. At your own time. Still, still figuring out yeah. the bowling alley. <laughs> we still haven't gone yet, damn. <laughs> Not gone, but I'm like, wow, this isn't quite what I thought bowling alleys were supposed to be yeah. like. Nobody ever knows what the bowling alley is supposed to be like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. fluid sexuality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, have you ever been sexual or sensual? And I say sensual because yeah. sexual to me is like it, the sex act, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's mm-hmm. sex involved physically. Yeah. But you can be sensual with someone, like cuddling, I'd say, is yeah. more sensual than sexual. I've definitely been sensual with both. With lesbians and... Yeah. I mean, like, more jokingly, like, like, I've never actually with lesbians, like, done anything like that, but... Yeah. So well, been... you said earlier that you have had experiences where there's a lesbian and you're I, feeling like... We, we were very on. drunk, but even if we weren't drunk, I still think it would have been a possibility. <laughs> so, <laughs> Was it vocalized? Did you guys a little bit, but like we were doing a joking way to where we were almost like, is this a joke anymore? So it was confusing. But ever since then, like, it's been a joke for like, my type in women is lesbians. Because it kind of is a little bit. I don't know. It just happens for me right now. That's where I'm at. Um... But yeah, the fluidity's there. I mean, I've been sensual with men, women, in between. Sexual's a different story. Um, but in general, I think it's just good to kind of accept the fluidity. Like, you know, like, I think, like, people are, like, get hooked on, oh, I have this type or I have this type. And that's fine, too. I think, like, that that's very appropriate as well. I definitely have my types as well. But I've kind of accepted the fact of, like, 
who I like and what I like definitely has changed throughout the years. Obviously, as a you know a young adolescent, young adult, whatever. But even as I get older, that could still be changing, and I'm just open to whatever I'm my preferences will be open to. You know. Uh, I can feel I'm so stiff in this conversation. Yeah. Wow. Well, because I'm curious about like your guys' perspective too in terms of your generation. Because I try and talk with like, not even my parents about, it, but like I'll try and like hear older perspectives, and I get it, but I think I don't too because I've also grown up in such a liberal area, with a lot of my friends and like community being, like you know, out too in that sense. So I'm almost I'm almost like hyper used to that fluidity and that that mindset. So for you, like. Where does that like stiffness come in? Like where like where does that become? Well, I think it comes in from my own unease mm-hmm. with sex, sex, uh-huh. and how it's um, charged and triggering for me still. Mm-hmm. So. Um, I have bad experiences that are sexual experiences. Yeah. And I have thought there is energy in me of, um, I'd say like, and I just, this is going to get me into boiling water. Okay. Because there's energy in me Mm. that I feel I can a train of thought like homosexuality is wrong mm, okay. um, anything beyond the by the, the, the status s- quo kind of status thing. quo yeah. is wrong and I feel that energy right. in me right and even though on a logical mental spiritual level yeah I like well that's chaos yeah exactly that it's still a process going on and I don't think you're alone in that at all like, of course, like, a lot of, like, old people feel that. But, like, I feel that. You know what I mean? Like, internalized homophobia for a lot of the LGBT community is a very real thing, too. Um, kids my age. Like, it's, it's, it's a universal thing because we all, you know, like to have, like, the normal. Like, we all want to have, like, you know, the, the, ha- the home and the car and the kids or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, everybody likes to kind of buy into that a bit. And part of that is, oh, I want a partner of the opposite sex or, like... And that is the normal. The majority of the population is straight, which I think is important to note too. You know what I mean? Um, but it's okay to not a- apply that too. And that's a huge thing to kind of like decondition your mindset. Yeah. Also, fluidity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like homosexuality, lesbianism, like that's that was one talked thing. about. Right, right, right. But fluidity is was whole, that's a very new... Thing. thing and it's new and like even like I've, I've kind of like gone fully gung-ho into that it's still confusing for me a bit too um because what like I don't know it can be tricky because like oh if you just like guys you just like girls or like you just like guys and girls that's kind of like how it but I think fluidity is the best way to explain it when I think about it more like you know what I mean like you know how, like, how they diagnose like autism or like ADHD not that being gay is the same as autism, <laughs> to clarify. But, like, you know, those, like... We have a drug for that. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where? When? Um, but, but they have different, uh, 
like it's a spectrum now is what they say because it is like you, you're not like you can have Asperger's where it's like a milder case or you can have like spectrum autism and yeah exactly D. because every or with ADHD too like it's everybody has is affected differently by the world and they affect the world differently so in terms of sexuality it's the same thing in terms of like in any kind of com- um, conversation it's never black and white right so why should it just be straight or gay so I think um, if I look at my own life, I definitely have questioned my sexuality in mm-hmm. times in my life more so than other times. Right. Part of, for me, what I was like, well, what's real? Because I have different energies in me. Yeah, I definitely have feminine energy in me. As you should. Masculine energy in me, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd look at, okay, whenever I'm fantasizing and like thinking of masturbating, yeah. I'm going to women. Right. That's what's happening. And it's not really consciously I'm thinking like... And I, I want to, but yeah. like, that's just what you're almost like inherently going towards. And, that, right. and that's you speaking to like yourself and your needs. And that's how it should be in that sense. Don't... That's, right. that's the last thing you should question in that sense. But there's always sort of a checking in of, well, what's real? What's going on? And that's good too. Yeah. And I would say that part of in my experience with sexuality is so much of it's going on in my head. Yeah. Imagine. Uh-huh. And the realization of it, well, let me say this, that the best experiences of realizing it yeah. is when I let go of that. It's like a meditative state where you're really in the moment. That's the best way it can be when you're just present and you're not overanalyzing or just doing it because it's there. You know what I mean? Right, right. It's because it's, it is what it is and you're part of that. That's okay. Yeah. Right. And when one thinks about long relationships. Yeah. I think having a vital sexual life in a long relationship is rare. Definitely. The ones that I know of where it existed were where they were um, celibate till they were married. Oh, really? Yeah. The, the relationships I know of that were long-term where they're still holding hands in their 50s and 60s and 70s and loving mm-hmm. each other. Is because they waited. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it's because they waited, but I'm no. saying that is what happened. Yeah, you do see that correlation is what you're saying. Yeah, there's three relationships I know of, and that was... Uh-huh. Interesting. I don't know. And we're also, I think, in a time... Like, I remember having a conversation with my grandmother about mm-hmm. sex. And it started off, I think, where um, her and my grandfather had, you know, the, the Lucy show... Mm-hmm. And how they had twin beds separate, you know. With yeah, beds yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how my grandma and grandpa's beds were. Twin, oh, really? Like all yeah. the, I asked her once about that, mm-hmm. and she, she said, "Well, one, it's very romantic to sneak into another's bed." True. And I was like, oh, I, was like I could yeah, see that. Yeah. I could see that. And then she also spoke about how talking about sex just wasn't in, like how fluidity is new to me yeah talking about sex just wasn't in the realm of her growing up interesting see and those are huge differences is how you even navigate sex in the world because like i'm i'm like a very i haven't been very sexually active in my life but i am very pro-sex and very open to talking about all of those things sexuality sex in general um so there's just, I think there's a huge difference in just how we process that kind of stuff too. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think culturally, like you just brought up, I remember reading a book about the Aborigines of mm-hmm. Tasmania and New Zealand, um, Australia. Yeah. And it was saying that 
like it was natural that like you'd see a grandmother touch the testicles of the, her grandson, you know, like eight, nine years old, yeah. and laugh and make a joke. Hey, daddy, you know, like, the little gay, you know, like, little boy. Yeah, damn. That wasn't a thing. <laughs> right. And how, like, there would be a couple, but maybe one would go off with someone else in the bushes and, like, the whole village would be kind of like... And I think the point of the person writing it was sexuality was very open and common. Right. It just it was. And I, and I wonder, like, how, as a society, like... I just don't know how, you know, in terms of, like, in the past, like, when sex was, like, such a closed-off topic, how it was productive, I guess, in that sense. Because I know for me, the reason why I've been able to be so much more comfortable with sex and sexuality in general and, like, know thyself better is because I've been able to be and so open and hear other open perspectives like that. Like, I think if it was really closed off, I'd be, like, much more regressed as a person even just from that. Like, I don't think I want to, like, grab a friend's testicles or anything and, like, do that joke either. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, but, like, I'm not saying that far, please. But, you know what I mean? Like, just, like, that expression. And you learn a lot. You get more comfortable with yourself in it. So, for me, personally, I, 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 I just find that more productive. I can see why for other people, though, keeping more to themselves is more productive, too. And there's that fluidity thing, again, I'm going to bring up, like, not in the terms of sexuality at this point, but in general, like, being open to there not being a status quo in terms of any of this. Like, if some people want to be more open to communicating it, then do it. If you don't, that's fine, too. If you want to sleep in the same bed as your partner and that works better for you, gung-ho, my God, go for it. But if, you, if it's better for you guys to be in separate beds or even separate rooms, why should we be judging that? If that's what works, don't fix it. It's not broken. Yeah, and that's very interesting because what you just brought up, there's close friends of mine, and I know they've had separate rooms for a while. I don't yeah. know if they still do. Yeah. Anyway, but I remember thinking, like, that's that's a sign of something wrong. Right, but why should it be? But here's what I'm tripping on. Yeah. It's wrong for me. Like, mm-hmm. I personally would not like that choice. Exactly. So. So that's fine. Right, but I think what happens is so often what isn't right for me in the moment, I then put the world into that lens. Because it's my, it's my viewpoint, so like, why shouldn't I impose and be like, are you guys okay? Because cause that, feels, that feels what's appropriate to us, because that's what you would want to be asked in a sense, but that they're not you. Right. So, you know, that, that, there comes the fluidity and the openness, just being open to hearing, oh, and how does that work for you? Just prefer that or, you know? So I think even in just those conversations or those moments, even though it's not directly related to sex or sexuality, it can apply because there's answers there. So is sexuality and sensuality a common energy, like open energy with you and your friends and peers? Oh, definitely more so, I think. I mean, it depends on the friendship, too. You know, like you gotta, everybody has their own bounds. Um, but I have a few friends where, like, in particular, we can just talk about it for hours. Or, like, we can get like, explicitly, like, sexual or sensual with each other. And, like, it could be a good joke. And, like, it's fun. And I don't, I don't even know. So it, you can even see, like, different people's like, preferences and tastes, too. Like, for me, like, I have a few artists I like that are, like, just completely sex positive. And by that, I mean, like, I, I, I got a tattoo just a few days ago from an artist, like a musician that I'm a very big fan of, Brooke Candy. Shout out to her. <laughs> I don't think many people are going to like her music that I'm mentioning this to you right now, but like she has a whole album called Sexorcism, like with songs called Come. And like, it's, it's just incredibly raunchy and vulgar. Would I ever express myself like that? No. Like that's pretty far. 
But like, I can appreciate like the artistry and the creative expression, and like, just sing what sing about come if you want. It's fine, like you know. So I think in that aspect too, like you can just see different levels of comfortability and expression in all forms, whether it's in conversations with friends, whether it's like what you listen to, how you dress, like it's all there. I am a hardcore Prince fan. Yeah. And on one of his earlier albums, he has a song called Sister. Uh-huh. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Exactly. Yeah, for, yeah, that's pretty controversial. Right, topic. pretty controversial. <laughs> Prince was like very controversial for like at the beginning and throughout his career in general too. Like he he loved breaking those bounds. Yeah. That's what I love about artists and artistry in general, and what I aspire to do. Maybe not some outcome, but like you know, just break bounds for myself and for others. You know, speaking of another artist, like yeah. I saw Madonna's recent social mm-hmm. media. Oh my gosh, it's and crazy, crazy! And I'm crazy. thinking, this fucking woman's in her sixties, right? Like, and there was a, you know, at first I was like, what the fuck are you doing? No, for real. But then I was also like, what the fuck am I doing thinking that? I had the exact same process, but I know like exactly what post you're talking about Madonna and stuff too. At first, I'm like, okay. <laughs> Where's your eyebrows? And I'm like, are your children taking these photos? Like, what is happening here? Right, right, but then at the right. same time, I'm like, fuck it. Like, you look good. You're feeling good clearly if you're posting about it and you feel comfortable about it. That's not my business. Is it hurting anybody? I don't think so. So why, why do I care? And you know, it's super interesting. There's a podcast where this gentleman, he takes an individual song yeah. and he talks to the artist about their process of creating that song oh, and what was going through that. their mind. Yeah. Madonna's one of the guests. And you know that song that's huge right now, the um, dance, I forget, you know. Don't say dance monkey. Well, how's it go? Dance monkey, dance monkey, dance monkey. Oh, oh, oh. Maybe it's not that. Yeah, that's it. It is, damn. That, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I hate that song. Sorry. I love it. <laughs> but what was interesting, because her and the producer were yeah. on, is, that's the one that uses the album clip, right? No, no I don't think no. it is. We're, we're no, the one song. that, yeah, I think it, it isn't dance. Regardless of the song. Anyway, yeah. so her and the producer were on. Okay. And what was super interesting to me, because I just heard it about a month or so ago, was how professional she was. It came mm-hmm. across so clearly. Exactly. Because you were hearing the production story. Yeah, and it gives a whole different lens of perspective of the artist, the process, where the song really comes from. Right. I think that's really important too. Like when I met, when I got the tattoo from Brooke, like I wasn't asking her any questions about it. Like, her did she tattoo it or did she create the design? Both. Oh, really? Yeah, it was a super sick thing, because she, she tattoos on the side now, and... Does she have equipment? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I went to, like, a studio to, to meet her and stuff. It was, like, a really cool experience. I'm going to get another one from her in a few weeks. Right. So, you know. Um, but it's not like I asked her in depth, like, her artistry or anything, but, like, we did talk about like, creative processes for a second, and, like, it was just interesting here, like, she talked about how, like, you know, like, she's had, like, agoraphobia moments before, and how, like, in general, she seemed, like, a lot more reserved than I thought she would be, because, like, you know, in general, like, musicians... Who, like express themselves like you kind of almost have like an inherent expectation that they're like that in real life too mm-hmm. but it's cool to see the perspectives like oh i express this part of my life like this because of that mm-hmm. just getting that insight is such a different thing um, what is gorephobia um like fear of like going outside oh, okay. like can't leave the house kind of right, stuff right, 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 right. yeah um yeah right I don't know. I don't know. Fuck it. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, here's what I was going to tell you. There's okay. a, an experience I had about a year ago. Have you heard of One Taste or Ohm? Ohm, yeah. But not one the, the practice that started in San Francisco with this mm-hmm. woman, Nicole. So, Ohm mm-hmm. stood for orgasmic meditation. Oh, then I definitely have not heard of Ohm. Okay. To this. So, here's the thing. There's a documentary on Netflix, and it pretty much shows it in a bad light. Okay. And... Um, and I wasn't part of One Taster Own, but I did join a community in Marin that yeah. came from that. And the, like practice, proxy. the practice was done. Okay. And what, it, what was interesting is <clears throat> there were parameters to the practice that mm-hmm. kind of held space. And, and it is sexual. Mm-hmm. For me, the experience and what I learned from it was to be conscious as in a meditative practice Yeah. in this heightened, fully charged thing called sex. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the parameters were very, for lack of a better word, protective mm-hmm. of the individuals, and usually it was a man and a woman. Yeah. Um, but it, I think it, it helped create safe space mm-hmm. for both involved. Right. And part of what I learned is the responsibility of self. Like when I talk about how I am responsible for my feelings and what I think and yeah. what I feel a hundred percent. It's my responsibility. A lot of that came out of this experience. Oh, interesting. <sighs> yeah. So is this own practice like literally like having like sex with a person in a meditative way? So um <clears throat> <laughs> Yes and no. So okay. I'll say there's not intercourse. I'll, I'll okay, say okay. it real quickly. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. there is Tantra, which absolutely is that. Uh-huh. You know, you're having intercourse yeah. in a meditative. And everything leading up to that also is a right. meditative. Okay. So, so um, you'd have this nest and the woman disrobes from the waist down, keeps uh-huh. everything on up here. And she would lie on her back and there's pillows for extreme comfort and be in a butterfly position where the legs are Are open. open. Right. And usually the man, the partner, then is sitting and in such a position and there's a lot of permission asking and all these steps involved. Consent. Consent. Right, right, right. Mm -hmm. And then stroke the clit for 13 minutes. Uh And... um, Peaks, rises, and falls, and to feel the energy and go with it. Um, Permissions of like asking for the woman, asking for what she wants, the man saying, would you like this faster, slower? And then a completion, and that's what the practice is. Interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. Like That sounds like, like a beneficial practice for sure like you're saying like especially like in terms of consent in terms of understanding your own body interacting with another body communicating that does it does it get reciprocated in that sense no no interesting yeah which i think is better because i think i tell my friends a lot about this too actually how like sex in general is such a different experience for a man versus a woman in terms of just biologically because like 
when a man like has sex, it's a much more external process, mm-hmm. and for a woman, it's much more internal, right? Mm-hmm. So like, the way they orgasm is different. The way they just like feel it is different. The way they want to want to express it is different. So I thought that calls to that a little bit. Absolutely, yeah, it does, and all the um, sort of social hooks that mm-hmm. have been embedded. Um, for example, quite often you'd hear like, no, I don't know the paraphrasing, but the experience is like, let's say I ask someone, hey, would you like to own? Yeah. And she says no. So accept that. Don't mm-hmm. wig out and don't blah, blah, blah. Um, <clears throat> doesn't mean that three days from now it's a no. Right. Like right. I may ask that same person and they say, yeah, that sounds right. great. It's in the present. Right? It's staying in the present. So part of the whole practice, in my experience, was staying in the present and conscious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a very heightened situation. What I would say is heightened internally mm-hmm. and outwardly. You know, sex is very heightened in our society. Yeah, definitely. So... Um. Yeah. Wow. That's such an interesting practice. I don't know. That was a cool perspective. I, I found it to be very beneficial and yeah. a positive experience in my life. And, you know, like I said, this documentary came out, it's on Netflix, yeah. it's, and it's pretty negative. And right. obviously, the woman who started it. Like, I don't... Another thing that came to mind is I grew up during the Est era. Werner Erhard, have you heard of him? So he was uh, <laughs> selling consciousness. Oh, um, as one does. <laughs> as one does. Right. But, um, you know, he was a salesperson in San Francisco and had this epiphany and then created this series Um called EST and um, its primary thing was to bring consciousness to people and Mm -hmm. there was money involved and you know you buy on and on and on anyway (laughs) he fled the United States because of of some chaos that came out with one of his children and tax evasion and stuff but yeah (laughs) Here's, I guess, the analogy that comes to mind. Yeah. Is um, quite often I hear people slam Christianity mm-hmm. and start talking about, well, what about the priests and kids and the Pope? And I'm like, okay, you no longer are talking about Christianity. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's what you're talking about. And so with Ohm, with Est, my experience with both has been very positive. Mm-hmm. I met Werner. Seemed like a very nice guy. Yeah. Um, so, I guess, as in this movie I was involved with many, many years ago, mm-hmm. the gentleman said, be careful that when you exercise your demons, you don't also exercise your angels. Uh, that might take me a second to wrap my head around. Exercise your demons, but don't exercise your angels too I guess I see what that means 
I think I'm understanding it. Well, like if someone watched this documentary on Netflix, they'd probably think, oh, what a fucking trash. Like, how could that right. just horrible, horrible? Mm-hmm. That's okay. a small slice of it. A slice, yeah, it's also small. Yeah, there's another documentary, I think it's on HBO, of some guy that is in the East Coast and he created a similar community consciousness thing. thing and it's slamming it for the most part. Well, I think in general, society loves to slam this kind of things too, as a cultish or whatever. Which is like, I get it. Mm-hmm. I do. But we can be open minded, I guess, you know? Like, in general, like I think in general, like when we're used to like, like a societal norm. Oh my god, that's so weird that they do that in this country. It's so weird that this like, community is choosing to do that. But at the end of the day, like, if it works or not, it's their choice to do it. Like, in general, capitalism, would you say that's been successful? In general? Yeah, but it depends on how you look at it. And you could say it's failing right now, too. You know what I mean? So why isn't there a documentary about that knocking it? There probably is. But my, my point is, like, in general, you can look at any sort of, like, lifestyle or thought process or anything, and you could rip it to shreds, or you can make a mockery of it or make a joke out of it. That's so easy to do. But, you know... Back to fluidity. <laughs> One last time, guys, I promise. Just, like, keeping it open-minded of, like, maybe they do this wrong, and maybe that would be toxic, but, like, there's also these benefits to it, and I see what, what they're trying to achieve, at, at the least. Or maybe you just do see it working out, but it's just not for you. I don't know. And, of course, there's objective goods and bads that can happen in these communities, but, like, overall, I'm talking about be open to it a bit. Well, and there's the seduction of power. Yeah, because power is a dirty, dirty thing for people, you know? No, it is. People get so hell-bent on it. It's crazy. I'm not with it. Have you experienced that in your own life? Where, where you, I got hell-bent off power? Yeah, I've seen it. you felt yourself... Or, yeah, well, let's start with you personally. Have you had an experience where you were starting to feel more and more empowered by yeah. the environment or an individual, maybe, and seeing yourself uh-huh. start to take advantage of that? Yeah, probably. I mean, mostly when I was a kid. I think I had, like, my humbling moment pretty young. When I was in elementary school, I was a very cocky kid. Like, I was I was an asshole, just straight up. Like, I, like, I, <laughs> like I, I thought I was, like, the king of my grade, and, like, all my friends were, like, of course they're my friends. They want to be with me or something. And, like, I would have made these rude comments to them and stuff. That, like, looking back on, like, I would have slapped myself as a kid. Like, shut up, Jacob. But, you know. I don't even remember, like, specific examples I can bring up, but, like, I was just a dick. And I remember when I first moved to Mill Valley, how humbling that was because I went from like a grade of 60 kids that I've known for years and that I felt very comfortable and confident myself in um, to this whole new area that was like 400 kids in my grade and they already knew each other and I was the new kid and I was more quiet and they all, you know, had their own egos kind of in a sense. Like what I, what I found is when moving here, there's a lot more ego involved in, the, in, a, in a kid than there was back in New Mexico. Um... And just even in general, the, the wealth here in the families, like, even though you may not seem like you're aware of it in the bubble, it affects personalities. So I kind of came into this, like, very much sheepish. And from there, I, I've always, like, reminded myself of, like, I thought I had this power and I was this person. And coming into it, I just know I'm, I'm a person. And without this power associated with me, i got to stay true to that. There's so many razor's edge that we just nipped upon like that. Because you want to be self-empowered. Yeah, and grounded, and, and you should be, you know. Yeah. Right, absolutely. But then there is the razor's edge of being narcissistic or egotistic. Yeah. Also, with crowds, like thinking, have you? Did you ever see the Wall, the movie, The Wall? Mm-hmm. 
I haven't seen a lot of movies. I had to break it. I'm not much of a movie guy. I know. Yeah, I don't even know what to do. I know. I get a lot of slack for that. <laughs> That's part of my own power. It's my own person. Well, what I'm thinking of, you go to a concert. Yeah. And the whole crowd's like, yeah. And like usually the, whatever the band leader or whoever's yeah. leader, you know, they're sort of hyping the scene. Right, right. right. Directing the crowd in certain Not ways. they want. And it feels great. Of course. But the negative of that is like portrayed in the wall very clearly where, you know, he's taking this group energy and s- s- what we saw our former president do. Right. What is? What are they using that for? Take it, right. Taking that group energy and channeling it into negative, destructive, yeah, exactly. hateful things. Exactly. So that's a real razor's edge of... Um, power. Power. Yeah. I mean, like, power objectively is just what it is power but like it, it depends on how it's utilized what you want to use it for how you let it affect you in that sense that's why being self-aware is such an important thing for me like i try my best to be as self-aware as possible because then i can navigate myself in the world a lot better um have you ever experienced yourself where you're witnessing that you're using your sex as a weapon no and that's because for me, in general, sex was like a very taboo topic for a long time because of my own trauma and like stuff associated with it. And so if anything, I, I always saw examples of how it was used as a weapon upon me in that sense. Whether it was like in a possible romantic relationship, in, a, in an advantage situation, any of those kind of things, like I've seen it the other way around, which is why I think especially conscious of I don't want to do that in terms of sex specifically. But de- I've definitely seen it, period. Yeah. <clears throat> So, you've had romantic partners? No, almost. So a, a lot of like, oh, it could have been, but no. No. So to the to this day, you haven't had a romantic relationship. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You can say that's none of your business. Right. <laughs> Are you a virgin right now, as we speak? Yeah. All right. And I'm okay with that. You know, for a long time, like, I would shit on myself for it. Be like, oh my god, you fucking virgin. Like, get out there. But, like, no. Like, we're good. Because, like, I know my journey. I know it took me a long point to get to where I am. As of now, I feel very comfortable in it, and I can have sex. And I think be pretty okay with it. And to be clear, I have options here. Like, we're good. But, you know, it's a matter of do I actually want to do that. And for me, like, although I'd love to say, like, I'd love to be out there and just kind of, like, do hookup culture and stuff, I do kind of need a connection, I think, more so than not. Um, in order for me to at least really enjoy it, that's what I've kind of realized. So I'm okay with taking my time on that. And I, and I know myself, I, I'm I'm comfortable with my sex and sexuality regardless of whether I've had it yet. So you've been in relationships with individuals where you guys have both talked about the possibility? Yeah. And, for, and chose not to pursue that so far? Yeah, that's what I would say. That's, that's pretty conscious. Yeah, sometimes that's my biggest issue is I'm too conscious. You're definitely someone, I think, who appreciates conversation, communication, and diving into things. So much. I, I can't do anything without it, honestly. Although I feel so like bland and shallow to me. Not that it is, but that's how I respond to it. So you also shared with me that um, <clears throat> your sexual life was new news recently with your parents. Yeah, and it's no news to the rest of my family. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, it is now. <laughs> exactly. So y'all can have fun with that. 
When you say the rest of your family, who do you mean? Anybody that is my parents. Like aunts, uncles, yeah, cousins? Because I'm not really close to my family like that. So it wouldn't be something that gets brought up. But I don't care if they know. So right, right. If you're finding out through here, you're welcome. <laughs> so have you consciously attempted to broach... Because you shared with me that when it first came out, it was heated. Yeah, definitely. So since that moment, have you attempted to broach it and like work it in as a regular part of what you share with your parents? No. As a sometimes, like sometimes, if it comes up naturally, then I'll be like, yeah, like because like you know, like I was like this, like blah blah. blah. But we never dive into it more so. But I think I, I think they're waiting for my lead to just talk about it openly. But I also don't feel it necessary right now to talk about it openly. Like they they're aware of it. They've done their educational stuff. <laughs> They've tried to like my mom's read books. My dad likes to watch videos. I'm pretty sure. So like, good for them. Because it's not. I don't think it's my job to educate as much, just based off of like the sensitivity of it. Um, but when, when they want to have open conversations, we absolutely do. Like my mom and I have had in depth conversations about like transphobia, and like how to navigate that or like, thought processes like that, and those have been really productive. But that's only when it feels like. It's not because, like, you're at... Like, I don't want to be the person to educate my parents on something just because I have my own personal experiences with it because that is, I just don't feel like that should be my duty. Well, that's what I mean. That's not educating them. It's more having it a regular part of conversation. Right. I feel like it can turn into education sometimes, though. Like, well, you know what I mean? Like, in this conversation, like, we're just talking about it and, like, it's opening up perspectives. But a lot of times, like, if my parents were to talk about it, it almost feels like they're like, so I don't get this. Can you explain this to me? Which is fair. And I, but when it comes to like a larger scale of not just about me, but about a whole community, I don't necessarily want to speak on the whole community or act as if I'm like, I'm like I've, I've studied LGBT rights at this college. Like That's not my foreground, you know what I mean? I can't be one to educate like that. And that's how I feel like it comes up more so than not my parents. So... So it leaves your personal experience and goes into this academic realm. Yeah, exactly. And like, I just, that's not where I can speak. Yeah, about. that doesn't make sense. It's more personal. Yeah. So. But in general, if it's not my parents or family, like, I'm very open about just having these conversations in general. But maybe that's more of a trigger on mine, too. I'm just not fully ready to. Do you have any close friends that you hang out with regularly that are identify? Is gender fluid? At the moment, not many, but I have had close friends who do, or have had, definitely. And by gender fluid, was it like where one day they would identify as male and another day as a female? female? Yeah, yeah. That would be real? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I've, I, this, my friend's sister is gender fluid, so, you know, in terms of, it's pretty easy to say he, she, or they. And works fine. And what would this individual prefer for pronouns? They say just call me Annie. Just does, so if I called this individual he on a day when this individual felt like she, yeah, they just flowed with it, or they, would they say today? I'm... I think it depends on the person. Like th- this is the thing about kind of like in general because it's so fluid at this point, you can't just assume that. Like you can ask a person like, hey, like do you do, do, is there a specific day or? Is it just in general to call you any? For this individual, it doesn't matter. You can call them he, she, or they any day, and it's okay. But for other, but for other people, it might be different. Where it's like, 
I'm, I'm thinking more like a he they today, or more of a she another day. I don't know. I can't really speak on it. I feel pretty confident as a he him. So like for me, like I just gotta respect what they feel. But that's what I understand of it. So would it be polite for me to ask you like how? What are your pronouns? <laughs> yeah, just totally. I thought that that's like the most appropriate you can be. And like my college that I go to is very like progressive in that sense. So most classes I start off by saying, okay, introduce yourself, your pronouns, and then this. Not many colleges I don't think do that that I'm aware of, but like I, th- I think that's a cool thing to like introduce. Like what's the big deal of just asking? So what are your pronouns? He, him. He, him? Yeah, that's it. I feel pretty good as a male and only male in that sense. All right. By support, of course. Support. If somebody wants like to, like you're a pillar. Yeah, I'm. The, I am the beacon that holds up gender and sexuality. That's me. Fuck yeah, you are. I know. I know. Finally, you're realizing it. it. Took how many minutes this podcast for you to get there? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it seems like. It. <laughs> yeah, right. well, I'm thick. Yeah. yeah. It takes a second to seep in. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, like tea, it just permeates. Right, exactly. Gotta let it steep for a bit before you can take out the bag. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) the bag has been taken out, everybody. (laughs) Well, that could have just gone real all over the place. You could have. No, I saw the I saw the ammunition there, but you didn't take the shot, huh? That would have been gets me. True. Um, (laughs) Shoot myself. Who else was hurting? (laughs) Damn. Yeah. Do you? Believe that you have had choice in your attraction, your sexual attraction to others. Can you elaborate on that a bit? Like, define the choice. Like, I, I have I had the choice to choose where I'd like to take it. Is what you mean, or like? Yeah, like, had, have you had choice be a part of your experience of attraction? Sexually to others. Yeah, I think. I don't know. I, I would think so. In in the sense of like, there's been chances where there's been multiple opportunities in front of me, and it could be a guy or a girl, or two guys. Two girls. Not yet. And a cup. <laughs> yeah. Never the cup. <laughs> How dare you? Sorry, I said. <laughs> no, again, you saw the ammunition and you took the shot this time. <laughs> well, I had that unfortunate video in my experience. Me too. No, me too. I don't want to. Uh, mm. Why? Why is that? Yeah, that's a gross place, guys. Yeah, you know what's so? Okay, I'm gonna share with you. You up for a story? Yeah, I'm up for a story. All right. So I went to Amsterdam with some friends and had a great time. This is already starting off. And they have <laughs> this museum of sexuality oh okay and it was brilliant it Uh was super good but when you go in there was this plywood box Uh like you know I don't know four feet by four feet by seven feet or seven eight feet and it's painted black Mm -hmm. and there's all these warning signs on it like you know this is not you like don't go in here unless you're like blah 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 and um Amsterdam is what it is, and I didn't go in, but I go into the museum, and it was wonderful. There's like a lot of um, art from ancient Japan, and just you know, of sex acts and fun yeah. stuff. Where fun little kind of yeah, like 
Yeah, exactly. Like this little figuring thing where it looks pretty normal, but when you flip it over, there coitus is involved. Coitus, yes, sorry. Coitus. Of course. Anyway, (laughs) coming out, I'd happened to imbibe in um, one of the, in getting high. Yeah. Which Amsterdam at the time, this is in the 90s, so like it was like being in a place where you could just go into a cafe and smoke as well. So I'm, Which is incredible. Right. Sorry. Nowadays, it's pretty common. But back yeah. then, it was... Anyway. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go into this box. I thought it was like a tourist gimmick. Thing. Yeah. And I went in, and I was traumatized. Really? Oh, it was horrible. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. animals. <gasps> it involved fire hydrants. I don't even know how to involve a fire hydrant. And I was just like... Did you say plural for the fire hydrants? Well, because there were multiple shots. Great. The the walls were just covered with these photos. And I was like, gosh, darn it. Like, It's like the two girls in a cup video. Like, once you've seen it... There's no one seeing something. There's no one seeing it. Right. And I was like, one, why do these individuals choose to partake in this yeah. like what's going on in an individual that that's where a fire hydrant needs to be involved no literally and the world may never know for some of these people especially the one cup but part of what we're talking about is our own judgments of another's choice well exactly it is their choice I may never understand it but I can let it be let it be let it be just like the Beatles let it be Speaking words of wisdom. Is that what this was? The fire hydrants and the animals words of wisdom? Fuck no. <laughs> not in my experience. Damn. Uh, I thought we were on to something there. <laughs> God. But, another story, I may have mentioned it too, is when I was at SFSU, I was in a sexuality class and mm. the, there was a day where this person, a special guest, was invited and he had a sexual relationship with his dog. Yeah. And um, okay. and part of what he was saying is like, well, what you're thinking about this right now is what we thought about homosexuality 20 years ago. See it. This is where my judgment does come in a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You caught me. <laughs> you caught me. <laughs> <laughs> but can I explain like, you finish first but no yeah I, I just because I think there is a difference there like you hear pedophiles try and say that same argument mm-hmm. too where it's like this is the same as homosexuals or homosexuals were looked at not fully because what homosexual behavior if you will involves two consenting adults that dog they can, there's no way can comprehend or communicate or consent to that same with a child. You know what I mean? So, like, that's... Of course, I'm open to, like, hearing whatever perspective and stuff. But when it imposes on other people's safety or consent or just comprehension of the subject, that's where I'm like, this is where we kind of got to shut it down a bit. Yeah, and I think the psychology of an individual is involved in that safety and consent. Mm-hmm. And I think a child isn't in a place to... No. Con- that there's no psychological comprehension of what's being consented to. Not at all. And it can really, you know, fuck with somebody. I don't want to get into the dog too much, but, like, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Dogs, they bark. It's kind of all they can communicate. 
like I've seen people. I don't know if you like, have seen the dogs on TikTok, but there's like a lot of like dogs that like they give buttons to that will say a word like "Hey." Yes, yes, I have. Yes, and, yes, and that's yes. really cool. So like, obviously, like they do have thought process and can communicate something. But how are you going to communicate to a dog sex with owner? You know what I mean? Like that's not. That's just not there, and that shouldn't be. Well, I can tell you what his yeah. I want to hear. To that I want to hear what his rebuttal to that was. Was that the sexual organs? were engorged with blood which showed like arousal arousal and right that this animal was partaking I'm assuming right like it wasn't under duress it was actually under consent in this individual's and, 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 I, and I see where he's coming from with that at the same time just because you're hard doesn't mean you're consenting necessarily because that's the physical reaction in the sense of like mental might not be the same. That is an excellent point. Yeah. Because um, I used to have this joke when I was doing stand-up is, yeah. you know, maybe I am gay, but I would fuck a knothole in a tree. Right. You know? Because but, yeah, you can make anything a hole. Right. Exactly. And so part of what I think the amazing aspects of us as human beings is we truly are infinite. Like we can imagine and create infinitely. That's also the danger I'd say of us human beings. Yeah. And will will we create or destroy ourselves or our product with that in a sense? Yeah. And I think um, if things are coming from our spirit they're a blessing, and that mm-hmm. always remains. So that, I think, is a great, um, what do you call it when you have like a strip and you put it into water and then it changes color? What is that? Oh, no, anyway, t- let, litmus test. Oh, litmus okay. test to action yeah. is the ramifications of the act down the road. Mm-hmm. So if this child was true, like if it's a real blessing and a real coming of the Spirit, then 20 years later, it should still be a blessing. In fact, it should be more of a blessing that it experience should, it that should happened. Grow from that. And that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems that an individual grows up and is traumatized by the act. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Speak on it. Speak on it. Well, I just think about love relationships and love and how um, so many acts are done with the label love. However, when one looks at the ramifications and does that bring in and bless all involved? Right. Or is there trauma and chaos? I have two things to say on that. One, I don't think... I don't think we talk enough about how love... Um, isn't always beneficial. This actually has to be one point, but kind of like it's a two-parter. Like, I think like love is supposed to hurt a bit and there's supposed to be like, you know, beauty and pain in love because love can never be so clean cut as we like to make it. You know what I mean? You know, like when you're in a marriage, you always have to communicate and there can always be miscommunication. Like it's two individuals coming together or more, you know, yeah. it's just different individuals coming together, having their own uh, resolve in that sense. So... It's never going to be cookie-cut clean. Um, My second part of that is, like, in love, like, what is to define, like, the 
the hurt of love in that sense. Like, how am I trying to communicate this? Love can be such a painful thing, but what does that mean? Does that make it not love just because it hurts that bad? Or if, or just because it feels good doesn't mean it's love either. Like people often mix up infatuation and love. People can also um, misunderstand love with just the feeling of pain too, if that makes sense. I don't know if I went with that the right way, but no. Is that an S and M statement? No, you can make it one. I just mean in general, like, you can be, like, very emotionally hurt by a person or, like, by a situation. But it could still be love in a weird way. You know what I mean? It comes from a place of love that's not feeling good. You can know you, I mean? like, make up a scenario? That... I could try to. I mean, I don't know. Like, no, I can't right now. I don't know. It would take me a second and I would probably stumble on it. That's okay. Give it a shot. Let's say there's a couple and they've been together for, like, six months or something. And... One of them, person one, um, is having, like, a conversation with person two. And, like, they say some real, like some things that, to them, is out of an expressive love, but really intimidates and hurts the other person's feelings. And then, let's say it's, like, not talked about. A week later, the same thing comes up. The person's still hurt. They're not feeling like, good about it. So out of love, they express that at least to like an argument. And then that argument leads to like some real issues in the relationship. And maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. That's like a lot of pain and suffering and maybe not agreeance in that situation. But it's still out of a place of love. It just doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? Love doesn't always have to feel good. And in principle, it shouldn't. I have this very ethereal thought about love that it should actually always mm-hmm. feel good yeah like life should be joyful peaceful loving 24 7 mm. i wish i could agree with that i i, just, I almost can't well I, I would love to i believe like that's our evolutionary end goal like that's like what we're the going bodhisattva towards. yeah i would love I, I i can agree with that i think that's the, the end goal but i also think it's a it's it's a it's unrealistic and, 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 like, even from, like, a spiritual standpoint, like, I almost don't believe in that. Because, like, you know, like, how... If you guys hear the first part of this season opener, that made... <laughs> like, <laughs> you uh, might... I'll tag it on. Yeah, tag it on. Like, you might be, um... Like, when we talked a lot about, uh... Oh, fuck, I was my train of thought, man. We were talking about love and the end goal, Bodhi's... Oh, right, I don't think that, like... Like, we talked about how, like, there can't be good without bad and bad without good. So why, I think, like, in, in order to understand, like, and like universal love and, like, peace and stuff, you can't understand that without the comprehension of, or the experience of pain and anger and sadness and even trauma. So I, I just, I don't know, like, I don't know if I could ever, I don't even know if, even if I was experiencing universal love and peace, at least for me right now, I'd say, I don't know if I'd want to experience that without the knowledge of what it could be otherwise. Or without the experience of my own pain and stuff. Because it makes the thing of love and peace much more better and real. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, that's just my thoughts.
How does that make you feel? <laughs> I don't believe. I think. Um, how does it make me feel? Is the question. Yeah. A little bit on guard, I can see, like a little yeah. bit like, yeah. um, like, oh, all right, that's your thing. That's not my thing. No, and you don't. You don't have to accept that or embrace that at all. And like I said, I'd love for it to just want that thought process too. But I guess I'm just skeptical. I'm skeptical. What's so funny about peace, love, and understanding? A lot. <laughs> <laughs> a lot. I think also, like, Gen Z is very just like that sometimes, I've noticed. Where, like, oh, the world's ending in 50 years anyway. Thanks a lot, boomers. <laughs> Climate change is going to rip us to shreds. The economy doesn't let us afford our own rent. We're not lazy like you think we are. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so in general, I think, like, we almost have that inherent... Sure. Nihilism. Yeah, definitely. Like, I think part of that is just like even like the internet too. Like, I know that I've been overstimulated and desensitized by the internet. Like, you know that thing of like what the two girls one cut video? Mm-hmm. How you saw that and you kind of can't unsee it. Right. I've seen that times a million other things that will I will be permanently changed. Like, I was just going through TikTok one day and I saw a video from a Facebook Live of a military vet killing himself. Ooh. God. Gunshot to the head. I see his head explode everywhere. Wow! In his own apartment, the, the, the his panels in the back they get shocked. Like I was like, whoa! And then I was kind of like, whoa too, because I just saw. Why is that fucking burn? Like the social media. Right? How was it not deleted already? But of course, the universe let me wow. see that at that time for whatever reason, right, right. and it changed me. I, I literally just turned my phone off. And I just kind of sat there for like an hour, like wow. I had no connection to this person, but and that's something I shouldn't just see scrolling. But here I am changed because of it a little bit. And that's just one example. So in general, I've, I've seen so many beautiful things because of the internet, but I've seen so many disturbing things and just the tip of the iceberg in a sense of what's on the internet of that. I'm, I'm, I, I, just, I can't help but be a bit skeptical or a bit nihilistic. Maybe the challenge is to remain innocent and open in the midst of this energy of shadow and darkness and end of the world. Maybe. Maybe. That probably is the way. I don't know. My dad and I get into a lot of like, conversations about that because he's like one of the most positive go-getter people I've met. Where, like He can make any situation positive. I'm just not like that. And then, like I, I try and be like that. I think overall I'm a positive person. Not to say I'm not. But just like in certain general like, situations, I can't help but be like, yeah, but there's this part too. Let's, like, let's not like ignore that. Yeah, that makes me think of the whole... Um thing with the Native Americans and African people that were brought over here and how it does seem like an element of healing is acknowledgement of what occurred. Yeah, exactly, acknowledging it. So acknowledging that there are people sitting in their apartment taking a gun to their head and blowing Mm -hmm. their brains out. Yeah, that's there. We're not experiencing it, but it's there. Or perceiving it. It's there. <laughs> it's time for my lobotomy. <laughs> Bring it in. Bring it in. Yeah. Well, sir. Yeah. Is there anything that you'd like to dive into? We just dove into a shit ton, to be honest. So I'm trying to think if there's anything else I want to add to that. I guess, what's a rose and thorn of 2023 for you so far? 
What's a rose? And a thorn. Like the rose. A like rose a and a thorn. Yeah. And the last so far in the last in the four, four days. days. Yeah. Oh, you'll be hearing this three months from yeah. now. Yes. <laughs> Alright. A rose uh-huh. is a deep connection that I'm experiencing to myself. Sick. And uh, the divinity in me mm-hmm. and connecting with that with faith and yeah. part of that is my uh, partner in Moped Outlaws the mm-hmm. other podcast yeah, yeah, yeah. he had me um, commit to I, had, I, ex- I shared that I have this energy that believes I can't make it that, yeah. I will, that I'm going to fail. I cannot right. succeed. Yeah. And he had me commit to let, healing that, letting that go. And I've taken that seriously. Good. Nice. Yeah. So I've been working with that. That's a good ass rose. Yeah. yeah. The thorn, mm-hmm. I would say, is. Um, but it's also a rose. So that's, that's okay interesting. too. It could be. But a- it is a challenge. Uh, let's say a challenge. Yeah. Okay. Is the. L- authentic letting go of my ex mm. wife yeah and um, and when I say authentically so that in all the family things that are going to happen weddings yeah. possibly deaths whatever it yeah. is that I am authentically there open and joyful glad to be present mm. And not creating discomfort for any involved. Totally. Including yourself. Including myself. That's a big, like, rose thorn hybrid there, for sure. That's a good one. And in a sense, like, you know, you want to, like, heal at your own pace. But in a sense, you almost can't, too. Because there's, like, other paces that people are going at, too. So just finding a way to do that on your own accord in the healthy way. I don't know if this is appropriate, but part of what you just said is... There's other energies involved with one's healing, yeah. but with what I shared with you with my rose, yeah, yeah. is that no longer matters. My healing yeah. is most important to me, and if someone's not on board or whatever's going on, whatever. then it's not a dismissal, mm-hmm. but I'm responsible for myself. Right. If I can help you, great. If I can't, if that's not go with God. Exactly. It's not on me. That's actually really important, too. Yeah. It's so easy to kind of convolute or dilute your own issues with others' considerations. Absolutely. But at the end of the day, like, your healing should be your job and your priority. Right. That's something that I still got to learn a lot, too. Right. Yeah. It's a hard one. Yeah. Well, I'm 60, and it's kind of right. taken me this long to dig in in this manner. So As I can. Yeah. Sorry, that was a bad analogy. I was talking <laughs> earlier story. Damn, good point. Well, again, just the abuse I have while being on the show. Well, we started there, we ended there. It is only fair, I guess. Check <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, anything else? What about a rose and thorn in yours? That's, that's a good question. I should have thought about that before I asked it. Huh? Yeah, right, damn it. Well, um, you can take your time. I, I, I could do a rose right away. I'll say yeah. that. Because my rose is probably the New Year's Day. Just because I celebrate with friends. That was probably one of the healthiest New Year's I've had in a long time. It was great to connect and reconnect and just be present. Be present. So that was definitely my rose. Let's keep that energy going, you know. The thorn... Um, 
the lack of sleep I've gotten in the last four days has been incredible. Like, really incredible. Like, my body, my mind, and spirit have been changed from it. Yeah. <laughs> and I think realize how essential it is that I get a good eight hours of sleep every night. So that's my point. That's so funny. That's so funny because I know that I, I'm believing that you and Jonah have been hanging a lot. And so that's also a reflection of his sleep. A little bit. Because his, his schedule is not only different from mine. Um, but it's better than mine somehow too. In the sense, uh, I don't that, know about that. No, I would say I'm only saying look, in the present moment it is better right now because like I'm usually in bed like maybe twelve or one. I'll wake up at nine or ten. Like that was my system. Mm-hmm. Right now I'm like maybe I'm lucky if I get to bed at four thirty or five. And then like everybody else is asleep. Like this is on me. Like I don't know what's it's wrong with my body. And I'll wake up at nine or ten and be like fuck. That's I, funny because I know him to go to bed around three or four in the morning. He's been going earlier than me. Like he's wow. like, I'm tired at one or two. I'm like, for sure. Like, that's you. <laughs> so maybe he's gearing up for his. He has to be. Change. Yeah, I should be too, I guess. But definitely he needs to. Well, don't you believe that the thorn? That's an interesting thought. But aren't the thorns in our life also roses in the sense that yeah. our challenges are? Helping our biggest, us grow. Yeah, the, the thorns are part of our roses, or are our roses, like you said, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's made me understand how important sleep is, and I've had some cool thoughts from the sleep deprivation, too. So, I'm not complaining too much. I'm just saying it's definitely a thorn, because, I mean, sleep's important, y'all. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> so. Yeah. All right, bro. Well, thank you for having me on the season opener. This is a cool thing. Hopefully this one works. Right. Oh, we'll find out soon enough. Maybe see you in March. Maybe not. <laughs> uh, you want to do the tag for um, the two thirds one? Just say and now. Here's yeah. The... Okay. Yeah. Sure. And now here. Well, how should I say it? Wait. Just however I want to. To your lap. I'm not your daddy. Good point. Good point. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And now. This is the beautiful, smooth segue to the first slash second part of this cast. Enjoy what you can of it. Thank you. He never got to a place where the ramifications of his life were important enough for him to stop. Right. And that's where, like the whole Bill W. thing, you know, where he's the one who kind of, from my understanding, brought it to society like this is a disease and yeah. should be treated as a disease. Mm-hmm. And I, with this friend, I was like, I realized I got that. Like before, I didn't get it. Like it's a disease. You just stop training. Right, exactly. <clears throat> but with this friend, I realized, oh, it is a disease. It's as mm-hmm. though he had a broken leg or you needed, like he was helpless. Right. Yeah in a sense, to do anything other than drink himself into blackout extinction. Yeah, and that's kind of the crazy thing about it, because, like, you know, I've seen friends and family both be affected and or pass away from that kind of stuff, and even myself, I've had my conversations with myself with that addiction. I'm pretty sure we talked about it a bit on the last one that we did together, too. And in that, you know, even being so close or involved with it yourself, it's kind of hard to realize that. Like, whether it's mental health or addiction, like, it needs treatment. It's not just stop. Like you've got to, like there's there's steps to take that better your health and some capacity. Yeah. Mental, spiritual, physical, all of it. It's a whole thing. Yeah.
Ja. <lacht> mhm. Just thinking about discomfort and pain mm -hmm. as a source of energy for change and evolution. It's kind of necessary. Seems to be. Yeah, that's one thing I've been trying to work on a lot this semester was because, you know, at the end of like this last summer before I got back into school, like had many epiphanies. Too many almost. It was overwhelming as hell. But it was it was so necessary. And part of that epiphany was like learning to be comfortable with how I feel regardless of it. Because a lot of times I choose to just shut down when I'm feeling overwhelmed or like a thing I just would choose not to feel. So that I would smoke a lot or I would just distract myself in some other capacity. So part of my healing journey for me has just been letting myself if, if I'm feeling really hurt, feel it to the fullest you can. Because that's part of the human experience anyway, it's why we're here in that sense. Right. Right. But at the same time, just even regardless of that, like, if I don't feel it, what is there to do with it? Let it, let it fester? Let it affect you when you're happy too? Or, you know, it's just there's, there's so many ways that can not be beneficial. Yeah, it's so wild. I just read this article of Selena Gomez, and I haven't mm. seen her documentary, but the article was deep into her bipolar yeah. um, thing and her breakdown mm -hmm. and it was documented. Yeah. Um, one statement she said in the interview that I read was I wasn't in control, I felt like I wasn't in control of my feelings whether they were super high or super low. Mm -hmm. And that was very interesting because, <clears throat> you know, those super highs, we seem to want to lean into those. And hold on to hold them. Hold on to them, them, right. Yeah. But she was at a place where she realized it was out of control. Regardless. Right. And that's, and that's, I think, I don't know whether it's society or just human nature in itself, we'd convince ourselves that you've got to always be, like, at that good place and it always has to be happy, happy, happy. That's not natural, everybody. Like, what? Like, no, like, our bodies are conditioned to literally feel these things in equilibrium. Like, there has to be good for the bad and vice versa. So I think we need to, like, normalize that more for ourselves some thought process. Like, if I'm sad, no, be sad. It's okay to be sad. Just let that happen. You don't always got to be on. You don't always got to be good. So that's more painful in a sense. Man, that was too much crushing through my head. Mm -hmm. So I know you to be a spiritual person. Yeah. Um, so would you say we're in agreement that we are created beings? Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that we're like when you say created beings, you mean like, can you elaborate a bit more on that? What do you mean by that? <clears throat> we didn't create ourselves. We were created. Yes and no. <laughs> Not to be that person, but yes and no. Because, like, that, I mean, that's kind of me saying both to that answer. It's like such a cop-out. But, like, to go more into that, I, I think that we were created by something else in that sense, but I also believe that we are that something else. Like, you know, like we are the universe kind of thing. So that's what I think. Like, the universe has created humans and the human experience, but because we are part and are the universe, we have consciously and unconsciously created what we are. 
Yeah, I think we're in agreement. The yeah. way I pictured it recently, yeah. I don't believe whatever that creative element is, that mm -hmm. divine element, I don't believe in it as a single character. Mm -hmm. However, for my understanding, I envisioned a single character made out of water yeah. and to create you and I, like it takes a piece of itself mm -hmm. and puts it over here. Right. So it's the it's, same water. But it's separate. But it's separate, but it's still the same. Yeah. And I think you might have heard that Buddha analogy, like we are drops of water, like the ocean, like the, the Bodhisattva experience is realizing that you are the drop in the ocean. ocean. Yeah, totally. I have a great analogy, the one that you said in the Buddhas, too. Like, they're, that's a really good way to think about it. And I think, you know, scientists believe that matter can't be created or destroyed in that sense, right? I think that goes into it, too. Like, creation is just constantly recycling in that sense. So, you know, what were we before we were this? Like, I was in a womb. And before I was in a womb, I was just a, some cells. And before I was cells, what was I? You know what I mean? Like, it's always coming from something else. It's always a source. I don't know if this jets too far off from this part, but do you believe in the multiverse? Because mm. that's what you think about it. Because like, oh, like the universe is providing this, and like there's multiple of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, here's what I would say. I put that for me personally, and sort of my um, reincarnation file. Mm. It's a good train of thought to open up to the infinite possibilities of creation. Mm -hmm. However, if it's systematically used as a train of thought to create separation, uh -huh. then it's a step in the wrong direction. Damn. I haven't thought of it like that before. In terms of like how that theory is applied, I guess. Definitely. Because in, in, in a sense, if the multiverse, which I kind of believe is real, if it is real, like, you know, we're all still cells of individual universes encompassing. Still the still water. drops of water. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Right, so, right. That's so, the if, thought. so if it creates a train of thought of many oceans, then I think that's a mistake. I agree. Yeah. But if you're still able to hold that as the one ocean, then, then you're still on the right track. Yeah, and maybe I'm off. Like, maybe that's too much of my Judeo-Christian upbringing with the one, the one. Right, the but because the many is the one. I don't even know. Well, there you go, so that's it's it. It's, that's where it's tricky. And, like, I remember, like, I, I took last year a class on, like, exploring religions. And, like, there's so many different takes on, like, how to just perceive the world, and that's what religion and spirituality kind of is, in my opinion. But, like, I don't know. Like, in Taoism, it's everything's happening and nothing's happening and they can both coexist at the same time or like in a lot of the American traditions like we are nature and we're one of them so we, we give and we take you know there's, there's some, like, but it all kind of resonates with the same thing of like oneness yeah. to some capacity the thing with infinity is mm -hmm. there are no borders there are no boundaries yeah. mm -hmm. there's no center mm -hmm. and that's the thing I think we're very centric centrific in our thought and viewpoint. Yeah. You know? So it's a kind of a new thing for me at least to be thinking 
in terms of me not being the center? Yeah, because it's so easy to think of yourself as the center. Or even just to think of it as a black and white relation. But it's never black and white. That's so frustrating. I like think of all the people in your life, mm. and there's this element of like they revolve around me, but their lives are going on when I'm not even present yeah. in their consciousness. Exactly. Right? It almost hurts to think like I can just think about like does. us right now. It, does hurt. it hurts because like I could think hurt. like what is my relationship to Greg here? What is Greg's relationship to me? But outside of that, it's like this isn't like what would be like a 45 hour long conversation, and after that we'll both go and on track the world's completely separate from your interaction with the world, and we'll pick up different things, and blah, blah, blah. And sure, we can always come back and have new things, and how does that relate to this now? But you know what I mean? Like, it's always... I'm hurting. Yeah. Yeah, this, yeah. And there is, for me, there's a... It's painful to think of people existing without me being important in their existence. Right? Is that kind of FOMO, in a sense? Oh, I think... Yeah, that's, that's like universal FOMO. <laughs> I don't know if it's universal. <laughs> it's narcissistic. Damn. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that sucks. <laughs> that sucks. That really does suck. Yeah. FOMO sucks in general, too, though. Just, like, the general concept of it. I need a je- uh, definition of FOMO. Fear of missing out. Uh, yeah. I, and, like, I was talking with Bella's dad, also Greg. Um, it's about FOMO, like, with, like, our generation, because we're raised on social media, where we can just constantly contact each other, constantly see each other's whereabouts and what they're doing. It is so much easier to have FOMO on a minute-to-minute basis, and it sucks. You know, it's a trip, because I just saw the post of your friend on Instagram where you guys all went to Sunset and someone set up a whole DJ yeah. system. Yeah, uh-huh. which was I sick. was sick. Now, here's the thing. I know Jonah wasn't there. Yeah. And as a father, you know, I felt like, oh, damn, he missed out on that experience because right. he had to take care of his dog, and what a cool experience. But I also, I'm talking to you in this moment, realized I was making up a whole story of, from that photo. Of like five seconds. Yeah. Like, so that's part of the FOMO thing with social media is we are creating stories from these images mm-hmm. that aren't really real. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't know, when I first got to college, that was one of the hardest things for me. Like, I would not let myself have a break. Before I went to college, working out every day, really healthy meals. Was I healthy as a person? Probably not. But like, in general, like, I had like my own kind of like drum that I was being to. I completely like, relinquished that in the name of, I need to make good friends in my own social grounding here. Because you know, I could see people's stories and stuff. I was always in somebody else's room. I was getting four hours of sleep a night. Was not eating enough. Was not taking care of myself how I should be. And I was based off of my fear of missing out. So this semester, I went to be like, I don't know, create your own boundaries. Like, I, d- I went to maybe like a third of the parties this semester that I would have gone to before, just in general. And I had a way better time. Because I wasn't, even if I saw people there, I'm like, they're drinking lukewarm beer, and they're not going to remember the night anyway. So how much fun am I really missing out on? What am I really like lacking? It sounds like you've really dug into your own empowerment, which is very good. Oh, totally. And the, our last podcast we had was a big part of that, honestly. Like, when we were talking like, specifically about like, the drug use, too, I think it was a big part of it. Like, you're like, you smoke a lot, don't you? And you were telling me stuff I already knew. <laughs> but it, I was confronted with it in a new way, and on camera. 
more I could listen back to that conversation. You know what I mean? And I was like, oh damn. And like that was a huge point of why I stopped smoking. And I, I did go sober fully for four months and learned so much. I definitely think it's a problem now more than I did before. Well, I think for me, I know from my experience, there's times where what I'm feeling, like going, going back to a few minutes ago, yeah. I'm like, God, I want to be inebriated. I don't want right. to feel this. And that's the shutting down kind of thing, right? Yeah. Instead of letting yourself just feel it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so important to just let yourself fully experience it. And I know from talking with Jonah, there's an element where he's enjoying what he's feeling inebriated. Yeah. But it's not. It's, it's, it feels diluted, I think sometimes, mm. which I don't always agree with. Like to be clear, like, when I first started smoking, I had to I had to like really like, reflect on like how I let the experience of smoking change me. Mm. Yeah, because I just felt, I just remembered you talked about how you smoked to deal with your anxiety. Right, and it started so as like something to help my physical and emotional pain. And when I first started smoking, it became a super spiritual thing for me too. Like. I would get like these crazy highs, I'd meditate on them, I would, I thought I would like, travel spiritually, I would learn a lot about myself. And it was a super creative process for me until it became a dependency where I was doing it daily and kind of just to feel period. I, I needed it to eat and, and truly enjoy my food. If I wasn't high eating, it wasn't a good meal. Hmm. If I was not high to function, it wasn't as fun. You know what I mean? Like, and there was, it, it became like a consequential to not have it. And I'm not gaining anything from it. I'm just maintaining, and that wasn't. That's that's never enough. You know what I mean. So I've got to take a step back. And my goal is to hopefully like be able to smoke again one day. Intermittently and still gain that initial um, capital that I got from it. Will I be able to do that? I don't know, because now that I've gone to that point of like almost no return, I'm like, I don't know if I if I can ever interact with it in the same way and get that same experience. Maybe I should just find that myself or from other mediums, you know? I do believe ultimately, it, from a spiritual lens, yeah. all these tools, whatever they are, mm -hmm. even pain and suffering, yeah. are ultimately to us being complete and knowing who we are and being joyful. Like that's going back earlier, the reason I asked about that creative or, you know. Yeah. Um, because I think the creative element is love. Mm -hmm. It is joy. Right. It's peace. Mm -hmm. So, though you and I can honestly say part of our existence is suffering and pain, yeah. and being with that when it's arrival, when yeah. it's alive, mm -hmm. I do believe ultimately our natural state is joyful and loving. I hope it is that. I, I I want to agree with you so bad. I do, but like I just sometimes I sometimes I see people and I, I think that like when we're born, that's kind of like the natural way to go, of course. Like when we're obsessed because we're trying to communicate, we need something, right? Like I need food, I need water, I need my diaper changed, whatever. It, toddler, us needed, or whatever. Need a hug. Right, exactly. Need a hug. Like you're, you're, that's us communicating that through sadness, through, and that's how it should be, but. You see certain people who have just felt so hurt or felt so angry from something where that manifests into their state. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can change it back to joy. But you can also change the joy to pain. 
in that sense. I don't know. It's it's kind of all about balance again, which I think I said in the last one too. It's also choice, what you just said. Right, choice. I think we touched on that last time. That mm -hmm. really there is choice involved with which goes back to the beginning of this episode of I think we do choose our emotions, whether we're conscious of it or, or not. Well, see, and I want to disagree again, just for the sake of this, because, like, we're, yes, we are choosing that to a certain extent, but, like, if something traumatic happens to me, I didn't choose to be, I, I don't choose how I'm affected by that, you know what I mean? You chose it to be traumatic. Hmm. Let's speak on that for a second. I'm going to bring up something, it might be, like, intense, but that's what this is about, right? Having a good conversation, so. Yes, sir. I have been sexually assaulted in the past multiple times. And that has taken years for me to just accept my own body, let alone others and stuff. And there was this one point last year at a party, I was very drunk. It was a whole, we had a whole danger, and then there was a whole party after that we went to. And so I'm at this party, I'm on the dance floor with people, and some guy comes over from behind me and like shoves his hand like into my ass. And I look around like, who was that? I see the guy just scoffs in my face and pushes me and then walks away. In that moment, I was like, whatever, that's his burden, blah, blah, blah. And so how I felt, non-factor. But this is a drunk Jacob. Right. I'm inebriated heavily. Right. So, of course, those thoughts trickle back into my past tr trauma right. and experiences. And I end up, like, I don't way back from the party, I was having a panic attack. Pull a friend to the side, I have a whole, you know, cry session about it. Because it, it, it's deep, you know? But, you know, in my months since that, I've, I've realized that that moment doesn't affect me. It just brought up other moments that affected me, right? Like, it was a sensitive moment for me. But I don't have to let that moment affect me. So I guess that is a choice in a sense. I could carry the baggage of that party and make it a whole other thing. But I had a great day other than that. And, and I let myself feel the things. I let myself cry it out. And now I'm good. And that's my choice to not let it be baggage. So does that mean that I let myself... I chose how I felt, yes, but also no, because I think inevitably I would have had to confront that regardless, because it was a violation. You know what I mean? Well, it's an obvious mistake, I would say, on that person's part. They were out of line. Out of line. I think it was an intentional choice of theirs to do that to me. Yeah, you yeah. don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. But... From what you just shared with me, yeah. the actual incident itself mm -hmm. was not traumatic. No, barely. Like, I, I would say not at all. <clears throat> what was traumatic is your past as a youngster yeah. and these unprocessed feelings and experience were brought back to the surface yeah. through this incident at the party. Yeah. And I believe that that's abs that that incident itself at the party. You chose it not to be traumatic. That incident. Yeah. You chose not to add that to the emotional traumas that right. you have. Right. You would have been just as valid. Logically speaking, to do so, to right. sit here with me now and say that fucking guy, if I, you know, like right, that. exactly, and I, there would be no debate for me, 
because <clears throat> everything lines up for that choice. Exactly. You've chosen not to do that. You've chosen to like leave that at the riverside in essence. Exactly. I'm not carrying it miles down the road. <clears throat> and I don't deal, need to. Right. But I do I do believe that as children, and age isn't relevant, so mm. as children, I could be 50, 60, 90 years old and have a child experience that's traumatic psychologically. Right, and that's why I almost think different about it because, like, if we're adults, we're supposed to have the tools. We're supposed allegedly, to. Allegedly. We're supposed to have the tools that will just help us make better choices about what we do with our feelings and how we feel in general with our experiences. But as children, we're not expected to have that. And if we're always children of the world, like we're always supposed to be growing and adulting more and more, like where is that fine line? If there is one. Do you know that woman who's very well known, she's a speaker, that Brown something, or Brian, Brian, Brown, something, something. Anyway, she's very famous. I can't remember her name. Yeah. She's written many books, and I saw her recently, just a little snippet of a talk, and she was talking about women, and she said a guy came up to her and said, you know, have you ever written about men? And, you know, she said, no, and she said, oh, very safe for you or something. She's like, what? You know, like, he's all, I'm married with two daughters, and I've never felt so eviscerated by anyone else as those three. There's times where it just is cruel. Mm. And she was like, whoa. So she started talking with men and and she was like, oh, wow. So here's the point of this story. She said, if a woman can sit with a man when he's most vulnerable Mm -hmm. and transparent and just be with him and while he's that, she's done a lot of work. If a man can sit with a woman while she's crying and not step in to fix it or anything, yeah. he's done a lot of work. Oh, interesting. I, I don't know how to fully process that, honestly. What I come away with is yeah. when we can just be with someone, mm-hmm. with whatever state they're in, like the most heightened state of their injured child yeah. and just be with it and still love them and be at peace and not be triggered not be pulled into it yeah. just be with them that can do a lot more that's a lot of work interesting see that makes me think too because like this it may seem related at first but like I'll come back to it like um, like when I'm like talking to friends or something I've learned like I used to always think I have to give my opinion on it or like if they're kind of talking I'll be like oh you should do this with no, that's not I'm always asking, Jacob. Like, so sometimes, like, or a lot of the time, I just try and start a conversation like that with, do you need me to just listen? Do you want me to distract you? Do you want me to do something about it with you? Like, what, what do you want from me right now? And I, I leave that open-ended because sometimes just being there as a listening board, just being there, period, with those students for that person is the right thing. Just letting them feel it. Yeah. Express it, whatever. So do you feel, because, you know, I'm like 20, and you've had many more years on me. I'm calling you old, so 
So let's just preface that. But you know. Take a fudge point. But with more like, you know, with your years on me, like, do you think, looking back, would you say that about your feelings? Like, is there a moment where, like, you can feel that just being would have been better or where you just being with it was better? Uh, many times we're just being with it is better. Yeah. I think I'm a better individual mm -hmm. just being with it. Mm -hmm. Including whatever I'm experiencing with just being with it. Oh, tell me more about that. Like you and I can be having a conversation right now yeah. and I'm extremely uncomfortable. Extremely right. sad, mm -hmm. extremely hurt, yeah. extremely angry. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> to just be with that mm -hmm. and present with you. Mm -hmm. And as you said earlier, to not have a knee jerk response where I'm going to dump that on you. Yeah. This one group that I worked with for a while, one of the things I learned about was not dumping my emotions, whether I thought it was good or bad, on the person. Like when earlier, when you said going up to the person who's now dating someone else that you yeah. like and saying, hey, I just want to share this with you, I feel hurt. Well, in my experience and knowledge, I'd say there's an element of dump that on their lap. Yeah. Like now they have that. Right. Now they're... Now they have to do something with that. Well, it's it's on them. Yeah. They, maybe they won't do anything, but it's there. It's there, for sure. So there's... Uh, for me, personally, I'd rather go through that process of healing, mm -hmm. what I'm feeling, without, without dumping on them. Interesting. Because in that situation, I'm just curious, because like I had in that situation before... But this might just be because of my own way of dealing with it beforehand. Like, if I liked the person before they have gotten involved. So for me, I feel like because I haven't shared or expressed that, it's hurting me more. And my relationship with that person more without them realizing it. Because it builds walls that shouldn't necessarily be there. So in that situation, I almost feel like I should express it. And I have done that before. Because in the end, do they have to, like... Now it's on them too, yeah. But I think it helps both of us move forward more because I've been more honest, they know I've been honest, and we're more on the same page. And if they feel like I've dumped that on them, which I probably could have, like, I'm sorry for that, but it almost was a necessary step for the relationship. Would you agree with that? I would. It sounds to me what I'm feeling yeah. is that the two of you were able to continue as friends because you shared this. Better because of it, too. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, and it also is a reflection that you both wanted to be friends. Yeah, regardless. For the person to hear you. Yeah. And I was talking with a friend of mine a couple of weeks ago Yeah. about the importance of empathy. Mm. And like you talked about earlier, if I butcher your name or yeah. I say it as a joke and it hurts you, and you come to me and say, hey, I'm, this is how I feel. I'm hurt every time you say that. Right. To have empathy 
and whether I believe it or not, like or understand it, right. to give credence to it's real for you. Yes. And act accordingly. Right. Yeah, I think that's important. Totally agree. Hundred percent. Because like, you know, you, you can always not understand somebody's point of view, but just providing that unconditionality to it. Even though I don't understand how you could be hurt by that or why you would be, I can see that you are being affected by it, and for that reason, I'll give that unconditionality and that kind of like, have how you were saying earlier of like, you know, trust everybody, but always have room for forgiveness kind of thing. It's kind of like that same principle of like, always provide some sort of arm to reach out to. You know what's fun to watch is comics with hecklers or people disturbing the stand-up. Because ultimately a comic's job is to entertain the audience. Yeah. And they need to hold the stage. They need to hold the power setup for it to be entertaining. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> there's a lot of ways that I see comics deal with that. Like yeah. some just put the person down. Mm-hmm. Some invite the person in and yeah, make it hold. Yeah. I guess there's an element of improv to all our life where we act according to the real moment. Yeah, exactly. And I think improv is necessary in life. I'm a person who loves structure and organization. Which I heard that earlier. Yeah. When you talk about I work out, I eat. No, exactly. No, and I kind of need that regimen to like bullshit, which sucks sometimes too. But like you know, like this semester, like I have like a weekly agenda where I write everything, like my goals for that day, and like I have my classes set up where they need to be, and I'm like, this is my arm day, and this is my chest, like whatever, like you know, for the workouts and eating, and but I always end up having a fallback on that because it's perfectionist ideals. And you can never have that organization structure stay stagnant. And there's no growth in that either. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to get from that long term, really? So I've learned to, like, let it go. Like, I have more time in two weeks. That is so okay. And I haven't, you know, this is like winter break, and I'm, I'm literally just going with the flow right now. And I'm just as okay with that as whether or not it would have been structured severely, too. Because either way, that's the improv of it. You just go with the, day, the steps of the day, and whatever the day has for you, you kind of just let it happen. Like, if, if the day's meant for me to be regimented and allow me to have that, then I'll be regimented. But let's say I get a curveball from him. Oh, you owe the IRS a million dollars and you have to solve it right now or something. Well, then, improv. Time to kill the IRS, I guess. Whatever. I do believe like things like academics or... Um, high energy um, endeavors mm. for for me structure is important to achieving it. Right. You know, academics is calling on a high level of continual output. Yeah, output management. I think without structure, it'd be very difficult to. Do that. Right? And I think you can see that play out in society too in certain ways. Like, you know, Leslie's Fair, I think it's how you say, like capitalism, for example. That's the economy freeballing it, right? And that works with consequences. So then, you know, structures provide and provide and provide until it's a very structured system. 
with it a lot of benefits, but there's also a lot of downsides to that too. You know what I mean? So that's why like the school needs structure and like our academia needs structure for like someone to succeed in it. I think so. But then too much structure can be more damaging too, right. because right. then. say this, I have experiences uh-huh. of um, absolutely life after death. So, Like your own experiences with it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like one with my father. That oh, I experienced wow. and yeah. I can tell you the story. Yeah. But that's all it is, is a story. Because I experienced it. That's the other thing with spirituality right. and consciousness is we could tell each other stories all day, but it's our experiences that we actually evolve Right. With. Like, I've never experienced that from, I've only heard it from you, and whether or not I choose to believe it's a whole other thing. Right. Or like what I told you about the nightmare experience right. last night with the zoo. Like, they were right there. Right there. And, and I could have totally just been like, that's a crock of bullshit. <laughs> like, wow. Like, you're crazy. Like, wow. Or... I could know what I did and be like, damn, that's crazy, you know, sometimes I do this and that, whatever. It's up to me how I take it. Right, so to go to your question, do I believe in ghosts? I guess I believe in ghosts the way I believe in um, um, multiverse and um, reincarnation. Okay, that makes sense. Heard. Heard. Do you have any more questions? Um... You like your hairstyle? I'm loving it right now. Okay. Yeah. A bit impromptu, but it was definitely... Did you do it yourself or someone did it for My you? friend did it for me. We did it in my college bathroom. Really? Yeah, yeah. Because I... Whenever I feel like I just need a good like restart, I just do a buzz cut now. That's my good standard. But with a buzz cut, there's so much creativity that you can put onto it. I've never done any hairstyle like this. So, I had my friend buy a bottle of splat hair dye with me. We bleached my hair ever so lightly. And then they took a paintbrush and just, I want like some abstract lightning bolt kind of stuff and they did that and it's, it's definitely like I get looks for it for sure, but whatever, it's fun. I just want to make sure people were as intimidated and scared of me as possible. <laughs> Wear sunglasses 24-7. Yeah, sunglasses, I'm going to add maybe like some septum and piercings on my face. I'll never see it. I don't know, that, okay. I won't actually do that, That's, I, I'm not a fan of piercings like that. <laughs> <laughs> Not my style, but <coughs> I definitely have a hairstyle. Alright. Samson. Anything else? No, that's it. Online. Pleasure doing business with you. <laughs> <laughs>